you have to determine how often, for what duration, and what you want to talk about. Those are the three ways to handle people who deplete your energy. Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved. I'm joined by a very special guest. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a very long time. Nedra Glover Tawav is here. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a licensed therapist and sought after relationship expert. And she's here today to join us and share her uh, conventional wisdom and expertise with us. So Nedra, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this conversation because I call myself like a big boundaries person, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was, when I read your book, I was so, I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm not a boundaries person. I'm actually not good at setting boundaries at all. (laughs) So so it was a very sort of eye-opening experience for me. So first of all, I just, I, if you don't mind sharing with us, like what inspired you to write specifically this book? And I know I personally know it has to do, you know, with what you do for, for a living, but I, I'm so curious uh, to share with the audience, like what inspired you to, to write it? Life, I think a series of life experience events that are personal. Um, Of course, my work with clients and conversations have brought up so many issues around boundaries that this book just seemed like a very organic unfolding of the work that I was already doing. As a writer, I hear horror stories about the writing process. And I must say that not that this book wrote itself, but it was kind of like me releasing all of the things that I constantly say in my therapy sessions, adding a few new things, certainly rehashing some concepts I've explored, some stories I've experienced and, you know, people I've worked with. So it was just a natural process of this is what I'm supposed to be writing about. Yeah. And I, so the name just for, if this is the first time you're listening to this, the name of Nedra's book is called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It's a guide to reclaiming yourself. And I find it to be such a powerful intention for people to have that that desire, right, to reclaim yourself because we're, we get so, we don't realize how much other people's belief systems have been embedded in our subconscious. And I really love that the way that you talk about that process and being able to reclaim yourself. So can you tell us why that's 
such a vital thing for us to experience, especially in this day and age? At our core, we already have boundaries. We typically know what we want and don't want. And much of my work is helping people express what they already know. As children, we are very comfortable saying, no, I don't want to, I don't like that. And adults and other things in the world sort of talk us out of what we're saying we want, what our expectations, our preferences are. They're saying, no, 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 you should do this thing. Just this week, I honored my daughter's boundary. She she doesn't like this coat that I have for her for some reason. It's just big, puffy. She's like, ah. So I honored that and I purchased her a different coat because Should we be forced to wear things that we do not like, do not feel comfortable if there's another option? Now, there are times where parents don't have the option to do that. But there are times where do we have to eat, you know, the macaroni? Do we have to give so-and-so a hug? Do we have to do blank? Do we have, like, what are these rules? Are they spirit breakers or are they spirit enhancers? And sometimes we are really talking kids out of standing up for themselves, being assertive, expressing what they like and don't like. You know, like you can have a preference. You could feel like, oh my gosh, my coat is too bubbled, right? Like I feel like a snowman in this coat. I would like something better. That is a preference. And when possible, we have the power to honor that. As adults in our relationships, if I don't want to eat some of your pie, when possible, please don't offer me the pie. When possible, please honor my boundaries. Yeah. Wow. It's to me, somebody could be listening or watching this and think, oh, that, of course, that makes so much sense. You know, why Why would we make a child do something, you know, or not honor that part of themselves? And I think that, you know, that's part of our conditioning and growing up and why we do things and later resent them because we're doing things that make us uncomfortable or we feel like we have to say yes all the time. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is how do you think we should begin to discern that within ourselves? For me, first of all, I think that this is a book that everybody should read, especially like young adults. I think this, you know, people would really benefit. If I knew this information. Quiet reading. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, somebody that's, you know, maybe in their thirties or forties now, like how could they, begin to discern what their own spirit enhancers or spirit breakers are? Mm. Our feelings. It's the same way that kids know. They know when they're frustrated, when they're uncomfortable, when they're anxious, and that's what they're expressing. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't want to. We feel that too. We feel frustrated. We feel burnt out. We feel resentful. We feel so many different things. And yet, we bypass those feelings and force ourselves to do stuff. We will force ourselves to work more and we're yawning and tired at 9 p.m. You know, we'll force ourselves to eat something that our coworker cooked that's disgusting because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We will force ourselves to give our friends once again advice on the same situation we're tired of hearing. We will force ourselves 
We bypass any discomfort we have by force. Now you talk about willpower, the way we force ourselves to do things is the real willpower. And here we are, we can't stop smoking, we can't stop all this other stuff, but every day we willpower our ways through discomfort, doing things that we don't even want to do. Thank you for saying that. I'm only going to ask like my personal questions, not like my own personal issues. With regard to social media, because that's my hardest my hardest encounter when it comes to boundaries, because as you're saying this again, it makes sense to me. I understand what you're saying and I am on board with it. Like I'll give you the example of Facebook. There's nothing about me going on Facebook that feels good to me. It Mm. physiologically irks me. I don't like going on there. It triggers me going on there to post or to respond. I just in my body, if I were to delete it and never see it again, I would be totally fine. <laughs> I wouldn't have to see Facebook ever again in my entire life. So, mm-hmm. but but the the problem, I don't want to say the problem, but I know obviously I have a business and I have a large community on there that I don't interact with because everybody knows that I don't like being on there. But it it does feel like oh, but I have to do this. This is part of what I have to do. I have to be on social media. So how do I reconcile that? Mm. Well, I wonder why do you feel like you have to be in that space? Has it been a part of your success? Is it a part of your brand? Um, Are there other ways to achieve your goals without it? As you can tell, I'm a therapist. So all I have is questions. Yeah, no, that's so good. No, I just- thousand questions to your question. Right. I I think it has in the past served my community because I do have a lot of listeners that there is like a page for the podcast and there's I have two people that moderate the page and so that I don't have to do it. But part of me just still feels a little bit beholden to having to be present somehow. Like I feel irresponsible if I'm not doing my job, right? Responding to people or having that presence because I feel like everybody else in my space does it. So I should be doing it too. Yeah. So I am more on Instagram. I have a community on, on Facebook, but I will be honest with you. Most of the things that go to Facebook are auto drafted from Instagram, right? I happen to like Instagram because I'm more of a picture-based person. I don't like a lot of, which is weird because all of my content is words, but I like pictures. I love Pinterest, right? And so on Instagram, I set limits for myself by saying, I want to spend this amount of time in this space. This is my goal for today. Now, of course, I'm imperfect. Sometimes I, you know, don't meet the goal. I go over, I go under, whatever. I'm I'm a human. But ultimately, I know that there are things that I cannot do because I don't like to do them. Um, There are things that time won't permit me to do, such as, you know, extensive commenting, responding to certain like DMs and this sort of thing, that those are not spaces where I can always commit my time. There are times when I can and times when I cannot, but I actually don't mind doing most of the work. Now with Facebook, I will say that 
it is really important, especially if that's where your community is, to figure out what you do like to do. Maybe you don't like to comment. Perhaps you like to do, you know, lives more, or you like to use their audio room feature, or there are other ways to engage. And that's what I do. I do a lot of polling, live, all of that sort of stuff. So I hope people don't feel like they're not missing out by me not responding to the comments or me not responding to this other thing because I saw your question and guess what I did? I created a whole piece of content based on what you said, based on you saying, how do I get my brother to stop blank, blank, blank? Ooh, five ways to get people to stop asking you questions you don't want to hear. And that is for the person who DM'd me asking me this question. But if I have 10 questions like that, guess what? It is more beneficial to respond to the community than to individually go in and write my same answer in different ways. And so that's what I choose to do because I want to support the community um, that I have in that space. And so it's really important to be clear about what your goals, goals are. And I believe in energetic boundaries. There are places where our energy is telling us like, no, 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 no. And we, again, we bypass it. We're like, no, no, I have to do this. I have to go to this thing. I have to invite this person over. And as you're doing it, you are just draining. You're like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Why am I here? And we have to honor our energetic boundaries. And that energetic boundary is telling us, no, you don't like this. Stop. Why are you doing this? What other ways can we complete the mission without us doing the works, particularly on social media? If you don't like it, can we get a social media manager? Is there someone in place who can help you, someone who can mimic your voice in that space so you're not having to engage in a space where you don't want to? So it's about, you know, there are things that we like and things that we do not like, and it is okay to honor both. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Thank you so much. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was with regard to the vernacular we use in order to lovingly set a boundary with people that are, I call them energy vampires or like, you know, people that really just like to plug into your energy. I was hoping that you would share some ways that we could, I mean, right now that was really great what you said. It's, oh, this question, instead of answering it directly, I created a piece of content, you know, like the way that you articulated that was really, I felt like, good. And that made me I'm like, I could do that. That feels good. I Mm -hmm. can absolutely get on board with that. But when it comes to people that are energy vampires, what are some great ways to, you know, like, talk to, to people in your life that are those people so that they don't feel, you know, you don't add to their feeling bad. With people who deplete you, you have to determine how often, for what duration, and what you want to talk about. Those are the three ways to handle people who deplete your energy. I used to have a relationship with someone and everything I said they disagreed with. Oh my gosh, it's so cool outside today. It's warm to me. It's like, okay. You know, everything was a thing. It's like, all right. And so it got to the point where the conversation was me listening. How was your day? What do you have going on? And what are you doing after that? 
I didn't even want to contribute anymore because I don't I don't want to keep having these little tips about weather and restaurants. And, you know, I'm just checking in. Okay, bye. You can determine what the conversation is. Oftentimes we keep arguing with the person. We've argued with them for 42 years. Every time I talk to them, we argue. Oh, gosh, you didn't learn from last year. You didn't learn from the year before last month, yesterday. How can you protect your energy? How can you speak to people less frequently? I am often surprised by the amount of people we speak to daily, daily on the way to work, after work, after we have a big life event. And we're like, oh, this person is terrible to talk to. But we pick up the phone and we call them. Yeah. We're calling them to deplete us. Why are we doing this? Can you imagine such a thing? Calling somebody to deplete you. So here's the thing. We get into patterns in our relationship, be it with our parents, siblings, friends, coworkers, whoever. And we just let the cycle go. We just let the pattern continue. Instead of saying, whoa, that didn't feel good. Let me try something else. When we find that something doesn't feel good, try something different. You don't have to keep making the same nasty dish. Use some different seasonings. Mix it up. You know, do something different with your chicken. If things aren't working, don't keep going with it. Try something even a tad bit different, a little less of this, a little more of that. We have to mix it up. Don't allow it to just be this. This is how it is. What can I do? Is it me? Am I reaching out to the person who is depleting me? Am I allowing the conversation to go in a direction that I don't want it to go in? Am I bringing up topics that's actually giving them energy to talk about things I don't want to talk about? Yeah. How am I contributing to my own pain in this situation? Mm. That's so, so good. Did you know that in the last year, rates of anxiety and depression have doubled in the US? I have to be honest, I'm actually surprised it's not more. I don't know about you, but I had a difficult time getting in to see a therapist during the pandemic. That's actually when I found Cerebral. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. These are some troubled times, my friends. There is no shame for getting support. I set up one of my cousins with Cerebral and he's now finally, after 30 plus years, getting the right care that he needs with the right doctor and the right prescription. They have affordable treatments that are one third the price of traditional therapy. Treatment options are available with or without insurance. Cerebral is in network for several insurers and they're working every day to grow their partnerships. Even if you're out of network, they'll provide you with the necessary paperwork so you can easily submit a claim. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door so you can skip the pharmacy lines. So if you're needing that extra support, download the Cerebral app. For the listeners of this podcast, you can receive 65% off of your first month of medication management and care counseling at www.cerebral.com forward slash loved. Go to cerebral.com forward slash loved to get 65% off of your first month. That's a total of $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. My follow-up was, how do we 
discern if we're the energy vampire, if we're the ones, how do we deal with that? How do we realize that if we are the person, the energy drain, and then what do we do about it? Well, if you really are ready to see yourself, ask someone who you trust and say, do you think I'm an energy drain? Do I fill you up? Do you, what, what do you think? Be honest with me. I'm willing to hear it. I promise I won't be upset with you. I am really open to hearing about what you think about me. Consider this a customer service survey. I want to know, right? And then they tell you, and I want you to give them a hug. Don't be mad at them. Now you promised. Don't you be mad at them for telling you the truth. (laughs) Don't you do it. Fuck it up and do better if you want to. And if not, keep being an energy vampire. (laughs) Right. You don't have to change. Right. But you can now that you have this information. I think a wonderful way to know is to read the room. You know, sometimes I can tell, I remember one of my friends came to visit and she brought a friend and I was having like a little house gathering and I whispered to another friend. I said, that girl doesn't like me. And she said, why do you say that? I just her body language, the way she's engaging with me. A few weeks later, guess what I found out? The girl didn't like me. <laughs> it's like, well, gosh, I thought I had a funny joke, but when your face is, you know, it's just a straight face. I'm like, why everybody's laughing? And I don't know why it could be that, you know, maybe I had on a color that was offensive. Maybe she met me in a past life and I did something to her. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter because we don't have to like everybody. But what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes people won't like certain things and it's okay, right? We can live, we can move on. What can we do? Yeah, no, I love that you're giving us an opportunity to examine that part of ourselves because it's so easy for us to point out everybody else's flaws or or issues or to be the person that doesn't say anything. But I think it's rare for us to actually examine if we are the person doing that, if we're the drain, if we're the person getting easily triggered or or whatever, you know. I love that, the reading the room. I think that's such an important thing to be able to do. Such a great practice too in mindfulness because part of teaching for me going into a space, you know, back when we used to be able to teach live people <laughs> like in in person, I would do that. You know, I have to go in and and read the room and just feel into how people are receiving what I'm saying. And I find that, yeah, there's my people pleaser side. Of course, I want everybody to like me, right? I want people to, I want people to have a good time to enjoy the content that I put out. But at the same time, I try to practice that non-attachment to not be so concerned about whether somebody likes me or not and just say, yeah, I would, they may, maybe this person's just having a bad day or maybe they're just not interested in me and that's okay. You know, you can't be all things to all people. I understand that. I truly care about some people liking me and other people, I really don't care if they like me or not. There are people in my lives I am trying to impress. <laughs> I want, you know, my kids, oh, I want them to like me. I'm like, oh, was that exciting for you? Like, I want them to like me. My husband, I want him to like me. My friends, I want them to like me. Now, some stranger walked down the street and they, you know, had on an outfit I didn't like and they said to me, oh, I don't like your shirt. I wouldn't care. 
I'm not trying to impress you. So it, it depends on who it is. It really does depend on who it is. And I think so. Sometimes we consume ourselves with wanting everyone to, especially on social media. Yes. We will, especially with comments and messages, sometimes people say mean things, but you know what I do? I'll go look at their profile. I'm like, oh, I don't care if you said that. Yeah. No. How do, you, how do you deal with that? I mean, what is the best way to deal with? I mean, you're a public figure. You're, yeah. you're a huge New York Times bestselling author. I mean, like the work that you're doing out in the world is very public. You're on a stage, right? So how do you deal with those comments or people who don't agree with something that you said, or, you know, people always have an opinion. So how do you deal with that for yourself? How do you maintain the boundary there? I know that the world is full of human beings and human beings are different. And there are some people who will be offended by something. There are some people who won't. There are some people who will get the joke and there are some people who will say, oh, my gosh, this was so mean. And you have to find your community. If you are in a space of people All of them will not like you. I remember being a student in elementary school, middle school, high school. Classes have, what, 20, 25, 30 people sometimes. I had two friends. You know, I had about two friends each class out of all of those people. Those are the people who I cared about. Those are the opinions that mattered the most to me. Everyone is not going to be like, oh, my gosh, all hell Nedra. She's walking, you know, but some people will love me and like me, but not everyone. It's just impossible. And it's impossible because we are all so different. Our preferences are very unique. Sometimes I dislike stuff and I don't even have a reason, right? Like, it's just, I don't even have a good reason to explain to you why I dislike something. So I know I'm all over the place and I imagine that everyone else is too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have a, a question from one of our listeners specifically for you that asked, how do you end a toxic friendship that has gone for too long? This is Winnie from Forest Grove. Well, often we feel like when we end things, we have to have this big like closure conversation, this exit interview of this is why you are a terrible person and I'm out of here. And I think sometimes we have to do that. But there are other times where, like I mentioned, are we still heavily engaging? Are we like, what could it look like to just slowly move away from relationships? That's how most of our relationships end. Most of the friends that I no longer talk to every day, it happened very slowly. And it's not all because they were toxic. It's because I moved, I changed schools or whatever in life, right? It's just this slow, like moving away. But again, we are seeking out our own frustration. We are reaching out to the people who bother us. We are, I know it's your birthday. What do you want to do? If this is not a person you want to continue a relationship with, how do you start to step away in small ways? Now, if the person says, hey, I noticed you stepping away, very clearly state to them, yes, I am taking some space to really reflect on what I need and what I want in my relationships. Reading people and telling them how terrible they are is typically not very effective. We don't need to tell people how they're terrible and this is why we don't want to talk to them anymore. That can really hurt people, right? 
Yeah. And I sometimes wonder what is our intention there? I, I think our intention is maybe to like help them change, but they may not be ready for that information. They may not be ready for it. So I would say have a gentle conversation and say, hey, I'm taking stock of, you know, what's going on with my life. And you may see me taking some space or take space or do whatever you need to to sort of, you know, gently exit the relationship. But a lot of it will be on your end. People may not think that the relationship is toxic. You may think it's toxic. So you may not need to wait on this other person to release you from it. Yeah, I love that. And one more, this is from Loretta in Thousand Oaks. She asked, how do you teach kids to set boundaries, but also give things a try? It sounds like a a food or or sports thing, right? Well, I'll tell you something. When I was a kid, I hated macaroni and cheese. I thought it was disgusting. Guess what I love as an adult? Macaroni and cheese. (laughs) A lot of times with food preferences, kids just have terrible palates. They do. You could take them to the best restaurant in the world and they want chicken fingers and French fries. You cannot take that personal. There will be years where they can, you know, start to eat vegetables, start to eat, you know, more of a variety of foods. But as they are younger, things are weird. They don't even have all their teeth yet. You know, when you think about really what's happening with a kid and we're expecting them to have these like wonderful broccoli feels funny. It feels funny to me as an adult, you know, so just thinking about perhaps other than the food not tasting well, could there be something else going on? Could there be some textural issue? Possibly. We don't know. And kids likely cannot articulate that. So give them the ability to kind of shape what their food preferences are, continue to introduce it and absolutely sneak it in. I'd love to put a little broccoli and a little cheese, but, you know, just just sneak it on in there and do the veggie noodles. They'll never know. Right. And as they get older, continue to introduce those things. And it's the same thing with sports. It's the same thing with experiences. Allow them to have those preferences and continue to expose them. Oh, that's so good. This is, I mean, I've learned so much just in this conversation and it, it really has inspired me to reflect. And I feel like that's what your book and your workbook for people watching the video Nedra also has a workbook that goes with set boundaries and find peace. And I highly recommend anybody that enjoyed this conversation to get both of these and really start to ask yourself those questions. And there's some journaling prompts in there. I mean, there's so many tools to incorporate into your own life to really begin to dig in to see what your own personal boundaries are and what is important for you. So Nedra, I just want to thank you so much for doing this, for having a a conversation with us. For people that are listening to this or watching the video on YouTube, where can people go for more information or if they want to connect with you? Yes, I am most present on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. You heard our talk about Facebook, so I am not most present there. I am most present on Instagram. So please follow me there. I have a website where you can find my books and free worksheets and quizzes and all sorts of things. Awesome. And we'll put those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcast, if you hit the info button, all of those links will be there, including where to buy the book. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, 
you can go to the description below and those links will be there as well. So before I let you go, I have one final question. I ask all of my guests, I was going to say all of my friends. I'm like that too. Um, But I ask everybody this question and it has to do with why we started this podcast and why I, I do what I do. And I really do believe that there is a force that radically loves us, that there's a reason why we are on the path that we're on, that we are radically loved and supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding, the universe Mm -hmm. works for us and not against us. And so the final question to you is how do you feel radically loved? You know, my favorite thing is good hugs. I love a good hugger. And I always, when people hug well, I'm like, oh, you are such a good hugger. I told a friend the other day, I said, you should get a job as a hugger because you do it so well. I mean, his hug is like, it's like you feel the love. It's like, I'm so happy to see you. I feel radically loved when people are authentic in their expression of love. Oh. of admiration, of caring for you. Wow. That has got to go down in history as one of my favorites. I, I love that answer. So good. Nedra, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And thank you everybody who is listening and who's watching this. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Share this with a friend if you found value in this conversation. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much, Nedra, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.